Okay, I want you to hear me. So, Overcoming Woe. Um, great title, right? Um, woe, uh, I was thinking about that. that. That's not an inspiring sort of title, but sermon titles are hard to, to figure out. But I think Woe's making a comeback, and, uh, and, and we're going to look at that in a little bit. Uh, I want us to think about as we prepare for communion today, uh, how we... Uh, tend to run from God instead of running to God. So that's kind of where we're going to go today. Let's look at the scripture passage. It's from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Two wings covered their faces, two wings covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go with us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. May God add his blessing to our reading and hearing and understanding of his word today. So woe is me comes from this passage. It's used in a variety of uh, literature down through the ages. Uh, whoa. Um, I want us to look at that for a minute. Many of you are Falcons fans, and today's the Super Bowl. So many of you experienced woe in 2017, right? Uh, up by 24, 25 points, late in the third quarter. Looked like the thing was wrapped up, but you could sense woe coming as the Patriots kept coming down the field and the Falcons were unable to score. You know, it's interesting, a couple of years before that, Dan Quinn, the Falcons coach, was a part of the Seattle Seahawks, and they had a woeful ending to that game. They could have been back-to-back Super Bowl champs, uh, but they're driving down the field late in the game, going to put the game away. Uh, They've got one of the best rushers, uh, running backs in uh, Super Bowl or NFL history. They're on the one-yard line. Everybody knew they were going to give it to this running back, and there was nobody on the Patriots' side that was going to stop him, and they passed the ball. It got intercepted, and the Patriots won that game. So Dan Quinn's really familiar with woe. Um, so here we are at another Super Bowl. I hope, uh, hope it goes well for the Rams. So uh, I'm here this morning to kind of finish up uh, from last week. We were talking about rules. And so what does life look like if we, especially as we approach communion, 
uh, being able to put some rules aside and take on or experience or really live into the grace of God. And so that's what I want us to look at here with uh, Isaiah. Uh, and so he, he, he's woeful. And so, I, you know, it's, it's an interesting word uh, and an interesting idea that we see, like I said, in literature in different places. Do you know there's a band called Woe Is Me? Does anybody have Woe Is Me on their playlist? There was nobody earlier today, too, so I guess not very popular. Um, there's a, a book entitled Woe Is I, and it's got a great subtitle. It says, The Grammar Phobe's Guide to Better English in Plain English. And so the, the part of the book talks about this woe, uh, woe am I, and they say that... Uh, Maybe it would be better to say, woe is I, or I am woe. And they go on to say, woe is mean does not mean, I mean, woe is me does not mean me and woe are one and the same thing. What it means is that uh, woe is to me or woe has come upon me. And so that's where Isaiah is going with this. But it's interesting, there's also kind of a new phrase that, uh, that it's being used in uh, culture today. It's called, woe is me. And so uh, you might say, I'm getting tired of Bob's woe is me all the time. Uh, you know people like that, I guess, don't you? People who, oh, this is bad and this is going to happen. And, and so that, that's kind of where we find Isaiah this morning. So why is Isaiah woe is me? What has gotten him so woeful? So let's go back to the scripture passage and, and kind of jump into it. In the first verse, it says something really telling. In the year that King Uzziah died. So that sort of helps us see that Isaiah is looking out into the future and he's apprehensive, he's anxious, he doesn't know where things are going. And it may be that in your life right now, that's where life is too, that you're looking out into the future and there's some things that are changing or uh, rearranging and you're not really sure where it's going to go and sometimes that's where we run to is this idea of, oh no, this could happen and that could happen. And we get anxious. We get woeful uh, in that experience. So Uzziah had been a king for a long time and Isaiah knew his place in the kingdom. Isaiah was a prophet. He got along with Uzziah. Uh, he knew where things were. And now there's a new king on the horizon at least. And that was Uzziah's son, Jotham. Folks weren't real excited about Jotham coming into power. They weren't sure what he was going to do, wasn't sure who his people were, wasn't sure how he was going to lead the nation or what was going to go on. Folks weren't really sure. People are always a little nervous when things begin to change. What's going to happen? Where am I going to fit into this? Is anybody going to listen to what I have to say? So to suffice it to say that, Jer uh, that Isaiah is a little bit anxious. And so that's part of the woe. And, and so what happens when we get woeful or anxious or concerned or, or worried? Sometimes that comes out in different ways in our lives. Sometimes we get stressed and it shows up in our back or our joints or, or something. Sometimes it shows up in our dreams, doesn't it? 
you're anxious, concerned, worried about something, and you have this real crazy dream, and you go to a friend and you say, hey, I had this dream last night, and, you know, everything was upside down and chaotic, and your friend will say, well, you know, it sounds like you're really worried more than you're letting on about maybe they know something about your job or uh, uh, classes you're taking or something that's going on in your family, and you go, oh, I bet that's it. I bet that is what's going on. And so this dream is, is sort of coming out to kind of help you recognize uh, some of the stress or tension in your life. And so Isaiah has the, uh, this dream, and, and we read about this morning. And so in the dream, uh, Isaiah sees these creatures, uh, and they, they bring him into the presence of God. And so it's really interesting that in the presence of God, what does Isaiah do? He sort of steps back. He, he, he doesn't run away, but he's apprehensive. He goes right to how inadequate he feels in the presence of God. And I find that fascinating that all through the Bible, no matter where you go, when God shows up in a room or out on a field or uh, uh, somewhere, the first reaction of folks is to run away, to hide, to cower, to uh, step away from God, to go in the opposite direction. I don't know if the, you know, an angel appeared in the room today and, and, and we all saw it. Would we run to the other side of the room or would we run to it? Because over and over in the Bible, the first thing the angel or the uh, uh, being says is, don't be afraid. They know that they're scaring us, but they say, don't be afraid. And so here in this situation, uh, Isaiah is uh, confronted with his sin, his unclean lips, the things that in his life haven't gone well. And sometimes we get to that place as well where we're in God's presence or we feel like we're in some sort of a holy moment or we're thinking about our spiritual life. And, the, and one of the first things we do is we go to this dark place of, gosh, I'm not worthy. Uh, I need to hide instead of stand up front. I need to, you know, I got to go back and fix some things and then I can come back to that. I don't know if as we come for communion today that that's something that passes through your mind. As you get up out of your seat and you come forward and you hear the language around communion uh, where God has offered you this gift and has uh, offered forgiveness for your sins that you go, yeah, but, and you start thinking of the things that you've done or said or acted and, and you really wonder if it's for you. And so sometimes the, there's a hesitation in coming forward. There's a hesitation in coming closer uh, to God because we don't feel like we're worthy or adequate or deserve this. That's why I like the language in the liturgy that we often use with communion that says, while we were still sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't when we got all better. It wasn't when we got everything worked out. But it was while we were still in this place, Christ dies for us, which proves God's love for us. And so it's interesting how over and over and over, God reaches out to us, but our reaction is to step away. Oh, let me go get cleaned up. Let me go get things ready. Let, uh, Isaiah's words, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My, my community's not right. I'm not right. I haven't done my job as the prophet. Uh, all of these excuses that pull us away from God instead of drawing us in. 
So, you know, I wonder, as, as, as you've come into this space, this uh, holy space, do you feel drawn into God's presence? Or, or you feel like, you know, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not super comfortable. I, I need to sort of stay in the background. So it's interesting that as Isaiah's processing all this, feeling this woe about the future, the community, where things are going, and then is confronted in his own experience of God with this idea of woe and stepping away or even running away to some degree to watch what God does. Um, and so in this experience, uh, this seraph, uh, picks up a, uh, this is kind of a crazy looking creature. It's got his eyes covered with two wings and two wings covered his feet and two wings flying and, he, and it goes over to the altar and it, it takes out a, a coal, a hot coal, and then it turns towards Isaiah and walks towards him. And so maybe in Isaiah's mind, it's confirming, oh no, God's attacking me. God's going to take this hot coal and burn away all of the bad parts. And so, uh, again, sort of reinforcing our fear or, or what we think we deserve, right? And so this, this seraph comes over and takes the coal and just lightly, it seems, touches Isaiah's lips and says to Isaiah, you, you say you're a man of unclean lips, then I've touched your lips with this coal, and it doesn't burn. It doesn't uh, rip his lips off or, or burn a hole in his face. It's a comforting sort of thing, and the words are even more comforting uh, to say to uh, Isaiah, your sin is taken away. You're forgiven. You're whole. You're clean. And that's how God sees Isaiah. God doesn't see Isaiah in the way Isaiah sees himself. God sees Isaiah with completely different eyes. And so as we run away from God, God is still pursuing Isaiah in this picture as if to reach out and grab him and pull him close. And then instead of smacking him across the face, he wraps his arms around Isaiah in a gesture of grace and of forgiveness, and of mercy. And so, again, as, as we've looked at this series that led us up to this week, uh, you know, we, we get caught up in these rules, and we haven't obeyed all the rules, and so somebody has to punish us. And oftentimes we approach God with that sort of mindset, but in this passage, and especially in communion, we recognize that as we struggle, maybe trying to come to grips with coming to God, God's not pushing us away. God's not drawing us in to kind of uh, give us a backhand uh, that God is embracing us. He's drawing us in. And so our posture is not to run away from God, but to run to God. When God shows up, when God speaks, when God offers us an opportunity uh, to get to know him better, it, it's not a, a, a something where he's out to get us but he's trying to breathe into us even more life, even more joy, even more grace, even more compassion. Uh, but we've somehow got it in our head that God is after us. And so here's Isaiah's response. He takes it all in, lets it soak in for a minute in his surprise and in his shock. He receives this gracious gift of life and of, of compassion 
and of grace. And then he says simply the one thing that God hopes that he would say is, here I am. Send me. Here I am, God. What's next? <laughs> here I am, God. I, I don't know why. But you've called me. You've entered my life. You've spoken to me. So what is it that you want? Where can I go? What can I do? I hope and I pray this morning as, as you come for communion that whatever's circling around your world, your universe, uh, whatever woe uh, is existing there, whatever struggle, whatever battle, that you can see God reaching through all of that to draw you close, not to criticize how you've acted or what you've done or how you responded in this or that situation, but to say, you're my child. I love you. I care for you. And here is how I demonstrated that years ago. And here's how the church celebrates not a memorial service for Jesus, but a celebration of God's activity in our life here and now and in the future. As we come for communion today, uh, we recognize that... Uh, we may, become, we may come here a little confused with why God is reaching out, why God's so good, why God doesn't give us what we deserve. And I think the, the first disciples wondered the same thing. Who is Jesus? What is he about? What does he come to do? Uh, and as they experience this, we experience the same thing, God's grace. And as Jesus took the bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. As if to say, I'm, I'm all in for you. I'm here. Talk to me. Come to me. Let me lead and direct and guide you. And likewise, he, he took the cup and he said, this represents my blood, which is poured out for you and for all of those that will follow you for the forgiveness of sins. See, in this, this act, this meal, this gesture, this sacrament that we celebrate uh, is not punishment. Jesus takes that on himself so that we might have life, so that we might have access to God, so that we might be able to run to God instead of being afraid and running from God. So God's heart and God's desire is that we would come, we would run to him, we would be excited when he shows up and when he's present in our lives, that we would look for those and long for those events in our lives. So let us pray together. God, we ask your spirit to pour out your blessing on these gifts of bread and juice, that as we come, God, mindful of how we don't deserve your gifts and grace, but we acknowledge, God, that sometimes we fall away from the best that we can do. But pick us up, hold us up, call us forth in your love and in your grace. Help us to see the better version of ourself and our community and of our nation and of our world and to long for that and to strive for that and to ask your help in our part to play in that. God, guide us today as a, as a church. that we might be about your work, that we might listen to you 
not what we want, but what you want. And how do we fall in line with that in our community, in our nation, in our world? God, not what we want, not what we need, not what we have to have, not how we get noticed, but how do we give you glory and honor? How do we draw people to you, not to us? Guide us, God. For all of those this morning that are nervous or afraid or apprehensive about drawing close to you, God, give us a, a vision, a dream like Isaiah that, that shows us, that speaks to us how precious we are in your sight and how much you long to be in relationship and communion with us so that we can see your grace and your strength and your mercy and not your wrath. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.